It's time for another episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks. Join Michael Toner and Ankarina Lara and break down the latest news on all things crypto, metaverse, and Web3. Filtering out noise and connecting dots as we pour ourselves into the future. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Off the Record on the Rocks with my good friend, Mr. Ankarina Lara. How are you doing, sir? I'm so good, Michael. I'm overwhelmed. I, I, the news of the last seven days is washing over me, and I, I feel like I'm trying to drink every drop of it. <laughs> it has been a wild week in the headlines. We're going to start, as we always do, uh, zooming out to the macro, uh, bringing us all the way down into what's the latest in NFTs, ordinals, Board Ape Yacht Club, Art Projects, Odyssey, Starbucks. We've got so much to cover. Uh, I'm going to start with... The thing that sort of just rocked me this week, uh, two headlines that I was just caught off guard by. We're, we're paying attention to what's happening in the news, what's breaking through, who's stealing the narrative. And the one that I did not have on my card was this news that the government was, with a low degree of certainty, uh, certainty, uh, uh, that COVID originated from a laboratory leak in Wuhan. And I was like, what? I, I thought we had sort of like, like buried that. Like that was a, that was a conspiracy theory, you know, that we were dabbling in. Like, no, that's not what happened guys. Like, you know, we trust what, what the uh, old, what's his name is, is telling us and we're going to get the vaccine and it's not man-made. And now I'm like, wait a second, why now? Why all of a sudden is this, this government body from the U.S. sort of using this, it feels like, as leverage against China, right? And we've talked about China and Russia and the macroeconomic situation that is leading to what feels like this conversation around uh, cryptocurrency and the technologies and the global economic state. So what's your take on government FUD against China, this Wuhan news headline stealing the narrative this week, or did it? Yeah, or did it? I mean, I'm I'm right here with you on it coming out of left field. And as soon as I saw the picture of the dude, I had to even read it careful more carefully because I, since all of that had been out of the news and since all the conspiracy around it for however long now, a year and or more, I wouldn't have recognized the head of the FBI. Or if he's changed or if he's a new one or like, I wouldn't know what his picture looked like. So I got to read the name, read everything. And we start thinking about, you know, those previous weeks since the beginning of the year where, you know, it was top, it was top story uh, everywhere. Hey, there's people who are dying from COVID. There's a new resurgence in China. Um, there's lockdowns in Hong Kong. People are freaking out. There's all these things that are happening. And then all of a sudden it was quiet. Why? Because someone decided to fly a balloon over Wyoming. And then we shot it down. And that was, we thought that was the way that China would distract everyone from all these COVID questions. Oh, well, it was a spy balloon. We shoot it down. I kind of bought, you know, a week or two, maybe. Biden made a State of the Union talking about bringing technology back to our shores. So it kind of fits with the satellite tech and the spy balloon or something. Kind of parlayed that. And then you got Xi Ping kind of, or, or rumors that they might, they, China, might be supplying bullets and drones through some shadowy relationship with Russia to help fight the war in Ukraine. And that says like, well, that's weird. And 
all you hear is that God, U.S. and China relations are continuing to you know teeter, and we're at this like. But China like, wants to negotiate place. the peace deal, but, right? But like China, that? China, but then China <laughs> comes and says, happening? "I want to negotiate the peace deal," and then I feel like the U.S. just said, "Hey, you can't take that narrative. That's the U- U.S. are the peacekeepers." Oh, hey. This FBI director, you don't forget, for don't forget, he's got data that says it probably came out of a lab in China. The next thing you know, everyone's fired up again. And it's like a raw, raw America. I just feel like this is a classic chess move of PR releases, one trying to trump the other, counterfeit the other, quiet the other, so that each of our, you know, these nations can kind of control whatever that next message is going to be. And I feel like they don't know what it is. And that's why they keep going back and forth playing this ping pong tournament. Yeah, it all just feels like some kind of forced timing, right? Like they, th- this news for it to come out all of the, all of a sudden, um, just feels like it, it was some sort of backroom deal, and and simultaneously, but it didn't break through as much. But like literally in the same news cycle, like I, I this U.S. intel community concluding that it was very unlikely that a foreign adversary's call caused Havana syndrome. So the uh, the disease, right, that was coming out of folks that were going to Cuba and coming out with this nasty, like, coma-esque, you know, headaches, like, those two things, all of a sudden, it's, it's putting China and Russia squarely in the crosshairs of, guys, we know what you guys are doing. We know the kind of games you guys are playing. And it, it feels like, you know... I, I, I hesitate because I talk about the conspiracy theories and when we talked about Wuhan, I try to, you know, understand where that line is. And here I am. No, these were the two headlines out of the middle of nowhere buried in this week between February and March. And it feels like just a weird, weird setup. Um, I don't know if you have any other take on it, but the, you know, the weird setup I think is, is totally valid, but you know, more and more maybe as we get older and technology gets you know better and more well adopted that you know there is pe- people we we criticize openly as a society the news right we criticize the news the news has was once real journalism and then one day someone decided to sell advertisements on it and it lost some amount of credibility right now we're selling ads now that the headlines become more sensationalized that spurs a whole bunch of creation of sensationalized news outlets who just literally push propaganda to sell, you know, clicks or whatever. Uh, and then we kind of the natural evolution is, oh, well, now we have this thing called microblogging, which was what was, Twitter was called when it first started. And now, oh, what's this fun thing you can do? Talk about your breakfast and like where you're headed with your kids. <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. And then time passes and suddenly every celebrity who wants to get their voice heard gets on Twitter. And then suddenly Twitter has a way of validating that this is in fact the true person who's talking. And here's your blue check mark of the old days or what have you and then news outlets start just referring to tweets as the news and reporting on well just tweeted now from you know the uh, world bank or just tweeted from uh, fauci about the vaccine i mean fauci's tweeting right the president's tweeting everyone's tweeting so to me it feels like gosh we've entered a, a, a an era where the war of words is a real thing this isn't just you know, luminaries penning open letters to the New York Times complaining about the government. This is now, I think, these guys in our ops teams watching the tweets coming out, watching the movements, and then just dropping in those little words when they need to, to kind of steer the mood. Because, you know, they have sentiment analysis and various things, like what do people feel about it? They probably dropped that China Wuhan FBI claim article, saw that it didn't even register, and we're like, okay, that we'll use that as for our next, you know, there, there could be this litmus testing. Like, where is the world in terms of its ability to soak up all this 
competing information, competing narratives. Anyway, for me, it, it feeds right into the next set of stuff with American companies like MasterCard, excuse me, and others who are suddenly like hitting the brakes spooked. on all this. Everyone's a little spooked because God, the, the SEC saying stuff, yeah. the World Bank saying stuff, the FBI saying stuff like, well, who, well who's, who, who, who owns this narrative anymore? So as we do, I think that is at the highest level. We spent a little bit of time covering that global macroeconomic view of the backdrop for Mr. Gary Gensler stepping once again to the podium to claim that everything except Bitcoin is a security, uh, you know, still enforcing that reach of the sec of we know what's best that to your point you got mastercard and visa all of a sudden uh in those statements saying that they're they're going to halt their crypto uh, uh collaborations and their crypto related projects like somebody's tapping them on the shoulders and saying hey guys pump the brakes for a second where the timing's a little bit off here and and you pointed out this is kind of a weird one but this uh coinbase outage so we got a bunch of stuff to cover with coinbase as well but this t coinbase outage showing up in the app march 4th why would you need a big marketplace like that a big exchange like that to be down for a little while so that the public won't be able to make transactions. I mean, it specifically calls it out. You will not be able to make withdrawals. You will not be able to trade. You will not be able to make deposits. Wonder why. <laughs> Wonder why. What's happening the 4th of March? And this lines up kind of almost exactly with your prediction for when we might see a surge. We're right here. You know, we talk about the, the, the dip and the surge because we're, we're middling. We're sliding around, right? We've already had the $1.6 billion of Bitcoin acquired by whom we don't know or what we don't know. We just saw um, an article hit. It's a little bit more obscure, but a big whale NFT holder just sold off more than a thousand NFTs, which if you're, you know, a, a Bitcoin maxi and you're thinking about NFTs and NFTs being allowed on the Bitcoin blockchain at some point soon, and we're, they are now, but becoming more popular. Is this person who just dumped a thousand NFT know something about what the next market is that, that the SEC is going to come towards. I mean, the MasterCard and Visa plowing forward with various crypto products hits the brakes saying, we just need to wait a second. Well, who is the CEO of MasterCard until not too recently? A guy named AJ Banga. Where is he now? He was just appointed by Biden to head the World Bank. What does the World Bank do? Well, if you read any, you know, confessions of an economic hitman, you'll know that the World Bank is involved in giving lots of loans to developing nations that effectively they have not been able to pay back over time and therefore are kind of pawns in the United States' great lattice work of foreign governments who kind of are you know lenient to us. And suddenly you have a debt to us. <laughs> have a debt and suddenly mast and, and and the World Bank doesn't like El Salvador, who just said, We don't want your loans anymore, World Bank. We're gonna do it our own way with Bitcoin. So AJ Banga very famously on stage while he was at MasterCard as a CEO said, said crypto is a basket of junk. These are his exact words. So does he, has he changed his mind that much since he left from saying that to go to the World Bank? I don't know. But if we all know about people in positions of power, they don't forget their pals. And if, if something big is going to go down, oh, I don't know, let's say on the 4th of March, you might tell <laughs> your pals at MasterCard, hey, we all know each other from Visa and MasterCard. We're like, let's just pull back on this because 
SEC is coming in hard. They just said everything but Bitcoin is a security, every coin. SEC is coming in hard. They say that now crypto exchanges <laughs> are not qualified to hold your keys. Remember, he's running around the internet going, no keys, no coins, or whatever the like, latest thing. Um, and gosh, what comes next? Maybe NFTs? Maybe it's just going to be one after another knocking on doors. Uh, but clearly, there's a lot of people who know things that we don't. And uh, we're trying to read these tea leaves here. But I feel like that it's coming to that big weekend, this so, big weekend in March. Macro macro backdrop, Gensler making statements about what's the security, quote unquote, clarifying what's the security over the last couple of days. And then just six hours ago, just you know, earlier today, SEC Chair Gensler says crypto exchanges may not be, quote, qualified custodians, that just because a crypto trading platform claims to be qualified custodian doesn't mean that it is, the SEC Chair said. So he's out there now saying that these exchanges may not be qualified to do what they're doing or they're not, uh, they don't have the uh, the jurisdiction or the, the, uh, the, they're not qualified to be doing that. And then I come back around to that date and Coinbase, you've got March 4th, you know, here's Gensler saying that these, these guys aren't qualified to be custodians. Uh, then you've got this closing down of what is, I, I believe, probably one of the bigger exchanges here in the US. It also happens to be the same day I think Yuga Labs is minting their Bitcoin ordinal project. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those dates are starting to line up, which is going to steal a headline of all of a sudden you're going to have the biggest Web3 project putting uh, art on the Bitcoin uh, ordinals as NFTs. And and that then opens up this whole conversation. If Bitcoin is the only one that's uh, not a security to be regulated, but now it can carry NFTs that are just art with no special utility, doesn't that, from a decentralized, if you put your decentralized hat on for a moment, and doesn't that put Bitcoin and Ethereum and all those tokens and all the NFT projects kind of squarely in the same corner saying, hey, we're all participating in this blockchain technology. It's like regulate all of us or regulate none of us. Hmm. See, I, I, I push back on that though, because I feel like what, what Gensler has been strategically saying with all his little minims and his little reports and these news articles, which don't amount to more than just maybe a few sentences of a quote of him, you know, from him. And then the kind of in inferences that then get made, nothing is ever a hundred percent. This is the new rule or everything he said to date is just sort of guide guidance towards maybe where they're headed. Like you said, um, but I think this squarely puts like, you know, if all the other blockchains out there, are companies, aka projects, you know, aka have addresses and phone numbers and humans who run them. That to me is one giant category of everything that is quote has value that is a security. He's just saying that straight away. And that's how it's going to be managed. And then to take one step further, maybe this outage on Coinbase that's coming is about this custod qualified custodian comment that if you're saying that and the, the long and the short of it is if the, the, the exchange doesn't have all of the money that the retail investors are buying and selling in the exchange, then they're not qualified because 
huge disasters occur right. where everyone runs on the exchange and they can't fulfill and then they go bankrupt. They're so not now, meeting the stress tests that they put the banks under. They're, exactly. they're, they're no longer qualified. So if that's the case, then maybe FTX is having to, or FTX, <laughs> maybe ah. that's a slip. Maybe, maybe that's what Gensler almost said when he was talking about Coinbase. Oh, which one um, am I talking about? <laughs> wait, who, which one of my friends? Um, so, you know, when you have him coming to Coinbase and being like, hey, we're going to start to like look at the retail investor usage and the amount of funds you actually have. And maybe this is a, a, now a trend towards having the custodian manage your keys and wallet will not be something that the government will allow that a layer of you having your own keys, you being able to do say a peer to peer transaction on command where, you know, today we all know, Hey, I got to go. I want to dump all my, you know, my coins because the price is falling. You go to your app and the app says, Oh, temporarily unavailable, you know, network problems, which is the classic way of them just protecting themselves from losing all their coins. Right. So that all sort of steers to me to say, well, that has everything to do with, everything that's not Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin says, well, we're not a company, we actually are the only truly decentralized anything because we're just technology. We're not a business. There's no marketing team. There's no one for Gary to call. And by the way, I'm sure Gary's got tons of Bitcoin because he taught a class at MIT about Bitcoin specifically, not other cryptocurrencies, but he's a Bitcoin max that you can tell, look at his eyes. Um, <laughs> but like, if you can say, well, obviously an NFT is art on a Bitcoin blockchain because there is no other utility, then isn't that the same as like, I don't know, Sotheby's or one of these other, you know, guys selling an, a piece of NFT art that is by Banksy, let's just say. Uh, does it give you access to Banksy's private party? No. Does it make you part member of the Banksy Discord because you haven't? No. Does it give you special benefits at Starbucks's Odyssey program for coffee? No. All it does is look really cool. And you can see it in your, I don't know, on your screen or wherever the metaverse, enjoy yourself. You know, it feels like Gensler in this weird twist is actually the Bitcoin maxi like paladin holy warrior that everyone's been waiting for to kind of come in and be like, hey, humans, you guys are corrupt. We're going to fix this. But let's just put, keep trying things on Bitcoin. I I don't know. I, it's really hard to read these tea leaves because there are so many uh narratives being pulled here and and just to throw another one in there that i think happened uh today or yesterday i saw this news about this crypto friendly bank silvergate oh yeah. um you know basically a bunch of crypto firms made statements over the week basically meant to distance themselves from silvergate so coinbase gemini crypto.com circle they all issued statements basically saying that they cut ties with this this partner who was you know, a link back to the traditional banking system. And Ooh. that's interesting. Now you've got a traditional bank. We hadn't put that on our, on our list of, hmm. you got to have a traditional bank take a fall too here of, uh, you know, how, how are traditional banks going to be held accountable for keeping or participating in these new markets? And uh -huh. all of, all of those, those announcements on the same day, right? Like, like a coordinated. Uh, yeah. Oh, within like a 24 hour window. Yes. So a full on coordinated, Hey, we're, Hey, we <laughs> are all together taking silver, Silvergate down. I wonder if all those, you know, cause you know, with Coinbase, I mean, they obviously are pals with Gensler, or at least they talk often. Um, Brian Armstrong being the CEO. Um, and you know, it's probably the case that Armstrong got the tap, right? He probably said, Hey, 
you know, the the SEC or someone said, hey, guys, you need to distance yourself from Silvergate. And that would just propagate through to the other guys to, to follow suit. But that is interesting. I hadn't really thought of that as being with a name like Silvergate. I don't always associate it with fiat. You know, it feels like it's its own sort of hybrid cryptoness. But you're right. It is. Um, I guess uh, you got to have got to take down someone else, right? You can't just be all crypto all the time. Oh, here's another take. We should dig in on this. The government of El Salvador's Shiva wallet also counts Silvergate as a key financial partner. So very interesting. A Binance spokesperson said the company has no exposure to Silvergate. Uh, separately, oh. Binance US would not comment on Silvergate. So this is this is news, right? This is just from, this is yesterday afternoon. Uh, no, excuse me. Thursday, this is from today. This is, oh, uh, they, this that's is from huge. two or three that's hours huge. ago. That's still now let's look at that. Let's get conspiracy here a little bit. So AJ Banga, former CEO of MasterCard, <laughs> is appointed head of World Bank. Yep. Who does the World Bank not like? Countries who don't take their loans. Who's the number one country who doesn't take their loans and talk about it on Twitter all the time and even talks about the World Bank being like corrupt all the time? El Salvador and Bukele, the president. Oh, so we'll take down their bank. So for all hey, their crypto. So stuff. hey, and then what and then what happens just before this gets released? MasterCard and Visa publicly announced, hey, we're putting the brakes on everything, guys. We're yeah. not crypto companies. But, you know but who else Visa and MasterCard company? had to go first. They, they had to pause first. first. We're, we're then Gensler makes the announcement. Then the, the all then the companies send the letters Silvergate, to Silvergate. Then Silvergate gets shut out. Domino, domino, domino. Wow. That was the end game. The end game is they're going to, they're going to steal the narrative about Bitcoin as an underlying underlying blockchain for our CBDC in America by basically making it so El Salvador's story will no longer resonate as being the first and most successful. I That's, don't know. That's wild. But I, I mean, we're going to have to keep an eye on the <laughs> Silvergate news. And today, you know, this week was the week I said that I felt like it was just going to be everything's been moving. You said we've kind of been moving sideways, lateral movements, everything's staying within these comfortable bands, no move nothing breaking above that uh i don't know if it was a 60 day or 90 day moving average in terms of bitcoin and nothing breaking below that average either so really holding steady this one to me if you got a traditional bank with exposure to crypto that tanks and you got coinbase shutting down implementing new rules to make them solvent now you've got rules that can apply to tr traditional banks and now you've got rules that can apply to crypto exchanges and now again that stage set for a CBDC. We also saw last week, I didn't hear too much uh, about NFT Paris. I watched a lot of it on Twitter. Uh, I did see some of the news coming out about Paris, uh, France talking about some of their new crypto friendly rules and regulations, like they're poised to roll out um, some new, some new regulation. So again, then you zoom back out to the global stage of there are other countries who are moving swiftly to implement new uh, new regulation that's going to theoretically allow this industry to continue growing, continue operating with rules of, of how these things are going to be treated as securities. So um, yeah. uh, that's another well, one to, to take that, into well, that, consideration. That Paris and the, I mean, we talked about last, uh, last episode that Paris or that France was testing crypto purchases at retail and entertainment and certain stores in paris they listed like two or three stores that are really big chains oh, right um which kind of gets people comfortable with the idea of doing that um but this one kind of smacked to me of you know taking a lesson from those countries who stumbled before you right because with well, the way they describe this 
um, like str- more stringent licensing rules for cryptocurrency firms is how they call it really reminds me of the bit licenses that the New York state uh, in the U.S. tried to implement, which is a fixed number. And, you know, we're going to control, you know, in and out. So there's only going to be 20. And then if there's 20 first, you have to wait until one of these goes away and then you can get that next license. Um, but they're, they're applying it, or at least the way the article reads, they're talking about it from an EU perspective, um, not a France perspective, which I thought was really interesting because, you know, no offense to any French listeners, I always just assumed that France was more or less looking out for its own interests, as are most countries in, you know, the EU. They've had a lot of issues with the EU and with all the different, you know, consolidation of currencies and value. And now it's like, well, yeah, maybe the euro and the whole experience with that didn't go to plan. And it's at the lowest valuation relative to the dollar it's ever been. So maybe the the EU with France leading the way is saying, hey, we're going to kind of grab this cryptocurrency bull by the horns. And we're going to start setting up all kinds of very clear legislation rules guidelines that are these dummies over here in the US haven't even bothered to lay out. They just go around and find people and then make up the rules as they go. So maybe they're trying to do a leapfrog, you know, that, hey, we watched these guys fumble around for half a decade. We're just going to come in and do what we know works and move forward based on, you know, the pitfalls of those that came before. Well, you mentioned, you know, uh, the the EU overall and the other news this week that I think we both got a big kick out of the Bank of England has no tech skills to issue a CBDC yet. I mean, I just, I was losing it. Like they sort of just throw up their hands, the deputy governor saying, nope, uh, we don't have the skill set to do a CBDC. We're not familiar. Uh, we're going to leave that to the other guys. Macron, you take it away. <laughs> come back, come back. Let us know when you've got something that works. And literally uh, someone on Macron's staff is going to go to an Ethereum blockchain token, <laughs> hit right click and say copy and then go over and paste it and then change the name to be digital pound and say, okay, it's done. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what are these guys doing? Why, how do they get caught looking like, like such Luddites? It, in the it also to me sort of validates the fact that like, well, well, we're analyzing this almost global conversation, you know, happening in the headlines um, that, that, England felt like they needed to say something because they weren't showing what they were doing. So, and maybe they just hadn't done anything. They're still like on the, the, you know, the Euro hangover. And so they, they just needed to issue something to me. It just validates that this is clearly a global conversation that's happening. You've got big, uh, big moves, big motion coming from from China, the stuff we've talked about in terms of loosening or reintroducing crypto trading within Hong Kong. You've got France here. We're clearly seeing the movement within the US around Gensler and what the SEC is doing. Also, one other point, just to go back to our retail take on Coinbase, something else that broke through the headlines this week, Robinhood receiving this uh, subpoena, this uh, mm. SEC subpoena, crypto-related subpoena. It didn't give a lot of details, but just don't forget about them. There's Robinhood getting pulled in uh, to make sure that those guys, um, you know, are they're going to have to follow the same rules as well. My guess because they're doing both traditional retail uh, investing, we can buy individual stocks and securities as well as cryptocurrency. Um, and we know Robinhood has gone through a very similar issue with the GameStop stuff 
oh. uh, around the traditional securities that were sort of behaving so volatile, volatile that their exchange got into a bunch of trouble, right? They shut down. They, I remember when they turned off Robinhood and you couldn't get your money and people were like, wait a second. I thought they were, but they're not. They're, uh, so don't forget about them being pulled in in the background as well. Um, I want to get to, I want to get to move us forward a little bit, uh, shifting gears into the gaming world. I think this was back at the very beginning of the week, so we're still just talking about one week of news, which is nuts. Four days, even. Uh, week. But it was, it was Monday morning. Uh, first real he- first headline that broke through for me in the week was that the uh, Trip Hawkins, the founder of EA, EA Sports, EA Games, uh, had entered the world of NFTs. So this was from uh, NFT Evening covering the story that um, he, he was entering Web3 with a new NFT-based company called games for a living uh a new company focused on blockchain gaming with play to earn elements and ideals the company also prioritizes shifts in the gaming industry business models to create revolutionary new ways players can experience parentheses and earn from games this has got me extremely bullish we've talked about uh the gaming in the past we talked about yuga labs bringing in the guy from activision um I don't think we talked about this last week, did we? No, no, no. This just broke. I mean, this was so this was Monday, right? Yeah, this was Monday. Uh, uh, you know, the, the first of all, the games for a living. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it just it just sounds like one of those late night charities. You know, that, like they're trying to get you to donate some money so they can go drop off you know boxes of Scrabble and shoots and ladders to kids in developing countries or whatever. Um, no, it, it's. You know, these old EA guys, the old um, Activision, they're going to, you know, they're going to jump into this new frontier. And, you know, I feel like they're going to get into it in a way that it's going to seem like, you know, for lack of a better term, like kind of Mickey Mouse at at start. You know, like even just the way that the the company is called Games for a Living and how the language is around how, you know, you might be able to do these things and sort of like thinking about what it's going to be. There was like a, a puzzle game that you, you just, you're not really doing much, but sort of like those little time burning games we used to play in the old days. Like I haven't heard much about say Candy Crush in a while. I knew for a, for a period of time, people were literally addicted to just trying to make patterns with these right. little candies and jewels. Well, it seems like that they're, I think it's called the Diamond Dream um, is one of their first games for games for a living. It kind of sort of has that jewel vibe of linking different <laughs> you know triples and quadruples of different gemstones and if you do they like blink and you get little credits up in your little corner which is exactly the way that all those games look and behave before anyway and it's just going to be oh you like these little games of matching patterns of jewels perfect while you do it you're going to earn real money and or real nfts that have real value um i think it's really smart and i think it's literally just the beginning because now it's these little jewels but wait until it starts to become real ip like that's real games that you know and love you know let me see if i can connect two dots here's my bridge to to, uh, take us from coinbase into this gaming world uh coinbase one of the things that we also saw this week was this uh, within the wallet itself when you logged in or within the app, not the wallet technically, but within the app, it was claim your free NFT. uh, And basically Coinbase allowing anybody within the app to effectively mint and grab an NFT into your wallet. 
um, creating a community around a, an NFT would imply some level of decentralization, some level of access. What is this NFT going to do for me? Am I going to be able to use it in games? Am I going to be able to uh, uh, gain special, you know, early bird access to ticket sales because I have this NFT in my wallet? My point there, when you think about these games and why we are so bullish and understand that all of these gaming companies are, are going to come rushing into Web3 is the ability to own those assets. So you're going to need a wallet. You're going to need NFTs as the, the thing in that wallet, the tokens of your assets or the, 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 the re digital receipt of those things you own. And I think that's where, yeah, seeing EA coming out with a play to earn game. I'm with you. The name was kind of cringe. Let's hope they didn't hire some some big agency because if that's what they came up with it's like uh guys this is this is kind of lame i'm guessing this was a a hack job internally of them saying guys we we know we're going to go do this you know the ceos he knows what this means for his business uh it's like the box is open um and yeah here come the big gaming companies you're going to own okay. those assets and part of that too, I think it also the dovetails from there is not just the ability to access or to participate in the game, but let's let's bring back let's go dust off an old acronym that we haven't said in a while, but it's also kind of like joining a DAO and having a voice and, and having a vote because now Coinbase is leveraging that same app that we just were asked to get an NFT. And by the way, the whole experience of getting the NFT is kind of rough in that it's like, hey, download this NFT. And you're like, oh, cool, click it. And it's like, welcome to the Coinbase Web3 wallet. In order to, to proceed, you probably want to add some crypto and it gives you like recommended <laughs> amounts to buy of ether and you can buy it later. And so that's like, buy it later. And then I'm like, go get this Coinbase you know, NFT. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's kind of a little graphic, kind of looks nice. We'll click to buy. It's like, sorry, you don't have enough uh, you know, ether to buy this right now. I'm like, okay. So I mean, again, it's like, it's just a way for them to drive also more transactions on their own network. So that's another sort of, you know, it's a side, it's a side, side hustle in a way, right? Hey, we have NFTs and whatever, but then they're talking about voting because believe it or not, Brian Armstrong, even though he's the CEO of the only approved exchange that has the New York stock exchange ticker that has stocks you can own is a, is effectively a, tool or apparatus extension of the rules of SEC and plays by all the government regulations, he now is using the Coinbase app as a way to show you. How to so do there's, stuff, there's, yeah. there's all these- all Onboarding these you. <laughs> well, not just that, there's all these districts in the US, right? There's some number of districts, congressional districts, right? 465 congressional districts. Reminds me of Stephen Colbert's like, know your district they used to do. But now he's gonna I geolocate you as to where you are in which district. And then print out a little information about the congressperson responsible for your district and their various positions on different type of crypto legislation, if they're they have any. Are you just riffing they, on this, or you've, you've no, no, seen this, this is, is what's this happening? Is actually, what's happening? Oh this my gosh, happening. I did not see that. Um, let me uh, tell you here. The uh, it's let's look at it really fast live. It's a Coinbase um, CEO vote uh, in app congressional. Well, I I'll, I'll, while you're looking for that, I'll, yeah. I'll give you a hot take in terms of, yeah, I think we've we've talked about the smart business savvy brands, Coinbase being the leader here right now in the US, 
Uh, we don't talk much about Binance. Binance is another player there, especially in the UK. But Coinbase here in the US, the smart, savvy business players have been working with the regulators to make sure they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And so while they're doing that and they're doing the KYC and they're, they're likely, you know, uh, they've, they've removed the staking program so that they're not doing that. My guess is here that they are going to keep pushing the boundaries to make sure that they are protecting and and aligning themselves with their consumers who understand the importance of some level of decentralization. And if they can start to, if they can give 100,000 of these NFTs and then create a decentralized autonomous organization around that who have voting power, they, they might find themselves with some uh, some strength to push back against the regulators to say, Hey, look, this is what the people are asking for. I'm just, I'm riffing there a little bit, but it does make sense that then Brian Armstrong is able to play both sides of the coin, appease the, re the, the regulators, give them what they want and simultaneously at least give some hope <laughs> to the owners of the, of this organization. It is weird. They're publicly traded. Now they're, they're issuing NFTs as potential DAO membership tokens. I mean, they're not calling them that, but they could be. Yeah. I mean, and so th they basically have a whole policy and education platform where they're going to be tracking all of the politicians as crypto, you know, friendliness or unfriendliness show that reveal that to you in the app. And then if we start asking you to make votes or start asking your opinion or give you a one click way to email your representative and let them know what you're talking about. I, I, this is exactly what you're saying is they got pulled in and got made, you know, maybe to be the darling of the government and play by the government's rules probably didn't really know what they were getting into when they got ordained to go ring the bell at the uh, stock exchange. <laughs> and this is like, you know, a, a smart guy who's using the technology that exists within the rules of the technology like you said, to collect that real information, here's what the people want. You know, we have all these appointed leaders, not elected, but appointed regulators and leaders who are creating broad sweeping policy for this emerging sector, cryptocurrency generally. And now it's like, oh, well, hold on a second. Here's the people. The people yeah. have said these kinds of things. And that's powerful. Just don't call it a DAO. And maybe you'll stay on the right side of Gensler. <laughs> I did see this grassroots, this Coinbase launches grassroots campaign for pro crypto policy in the US. I did see that, this hashtag crypto 435, the campaign to grow crypto ag advocacy in the community. I just didn't connect it to the NFT piece that now all of a sudden we've talked about this in terms of taking action and, and political action when we were going through the election cycles and sort of hypothesizing about how politicians could use this from a fundraising effort, but also to then know who their constituents are literally with their wallets uh, to be able to airdrop them things, give them a special access levels, some of the gamification, if you will, of, of that political process, Coinbase flipping that uh, from a publicly traded company. This is going to be fun to watch that they are simultaneously dancing with the regulators and here they are advancing a pro crypto policy across every congressional district across the u.s super smart yeah and so that to me signals also that coinbase isn't just going to be the puppet like that this gives me some there's like a, there's a pulse there's a there's a pulse still 
internally at the company, which is we have more to do than just the whims of regulation. Yeah, let's and, teach, and, let's and, help. Sure. Let's teach us help. And if you want to pull this thread all the way through to some like future predictions, we talked about how great would it be? This, this is years ago. We talked about how great would it be if we could all just vote, you know, one citizen, one wallet, one vote and vote on the transparent blockchain. And, you know, Coinbase, maybe they're getting too big for their britches here. But with this tool set, they're saying, hey, NFTs in our world are not a security. Why? Because there is no value. Well, what does it do? It gives you a vote. Gives you membership. You are a That's member of the community of people who are trading crypto. <laughs> and, and if so facto, maybe some number of years from now, look, Apple makes voting machines in California. When you go into the ballot boxes, you're feeding it into an Apple made device. Is it that big of a stretch to say that in the future we might be voting for politicians on a Coinbase wallet button on your phone? Probably not, right? Better for the environment. <laughs> I I also had one other take, so I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. I'm a little bit off here, but when we were talking about the gaming and we were talking about NFTs, one other thing that we have to go back to, so I know I'm jumping around here, but the um, the Unity integration with MetaMask. So bring mm. MetaMask into this. We're talking about wallets. We're talking about Coinbase from a, a consumer approach, but there's also MetaMask that's kind of coming from the pure Web3 side of things, and now you've got their integration into the gaming world with basically allowing... Uh, anyone to sign in and build a unity based game using wallets that are in or using assets that can be in your wallet. Uh, that's huge for overall interoperability, bullish on web three, bullish on NFTs. And I think gaming, and I'm not a gamer, but it opens up the doors to this digital ownership, uh, this digital commerce and hell you could be voting inside of a game. Now I'm connecting lots of dots. There's not, there's no reason why you couldn't be, going to the polls inside of a game-esque environment. And as long as that vote is unchanged, I'm voting in Decentraland, you're voting in Roblox, you know, <laughs> my wife's voting on her Coinbase app and all the votes are on chain and can be consolidated instantaneously. Again, yeah, I, I'm right with there with you. I mean, the- Interoperability the, of voting. Interoperability of voting, or how much is voting as a service? Because oh, let's, not for, let's not forget that <laughs> get the dot com voting as a service dot com. Let me go look. VAS.eth. Get dot ETH too. Um, <laughs> but when I think about voting as a service, like let's not forget that MetaMask had in the last 12 to 18 months, I want to say close to a half a billion dollars uh, invested in Consensus, which is the company that makes MetaMask, which I want to say pushed the valuation of Consensus up to like uh, over $5 billion or $6 billion. Um, still a private company doing lots of gaming deals. Yep. Um, you know, like you said, open, it, it doesn't matter where you access the voting. It just matters that you're voting on the chain. And if they want, you know, like what's the number one challenge that the, the country has had over the years that everyone ta you know, talks about the wave that happened that got Barack Obama into office was, well, how do you go get the youth to care enough to go vote? And now on the flip side is how do you get the elderly to go vote in districts where it's really far away to even get there to vote and or there's somebody there intimidating you to not vote because humans you know don't like other humans. Well, if I can just put on my metaverse goggles, if I can put on my Apple a XR glasses, if I can open an app, a video game, wherever and go with my wallet, verify it's my unique address and make my vote, then does it matter that it didn't happen at one of 
you know, how many voting stations are there in the U.S. during election times? How many tens of thousands, right? To say, and they're not all created equal. Some are really great stations. Some are terrible. So what if you kind of normalize the experience in digital? That could be, like, this is the future. We're seeing this, this thing happen way faster than I thought that we thought it was going to be. I mean, honestly, NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain, NFTs in a Coinbase wallet, now voting on, like, policy happening already in app. I would not have got to call this for 2023. This seems a lot fast, if you ask me. Yeah, I I just can't believe that we've just covered, uh, you know, the the mac macroeconomic what's actually happening. Uh, China Russia war still going on. Gensler SEC, all these DC based regulators vying, jockeying for authority. The SEC clearly taking the lead on that, making moves, subpoenas against Robin Hood, Coinbase, you know, it could also just be that they have regularly scheduled maintenance. Let's not, let's not over, let's not overthink what this downturn is going to be, but I will be watching the price of these cryptocurrencies during that outage, because if you get one of those weird spikes down that sometimes you get in the crypto space, at the time when that main public exchange is down, I'm still watching to see these JP Morgans, maybe even the MasterCards and the Visas who need to be able to collateralize and have crypto on the books. You know, maybe the reason they needed to halt, <laughs> everybody's trying to wait for that at the starting line. And it is kind of crazy right now to think that there's only a few handful of people at the top who are really creating this stage, building this narrative, trying to keep the FUD out and trying to push uh, their narrative forward. So uh, any final thoughts before we uh, we kick it to the weekend? No, the only thought I'd say is, yeah, when there are outages, I always believe it means that someone and their friends are taking advantage of a really good price or a really good sale on something. It happens in traditional markets with stock IPOs, certain institutional investors get to come in first buy and sell coinbase remember what was it hundreds of dollars a share millionaires were being made every second after they rang the bell but then ah now retail can come in and the price just went down <laughs> after everyone had made their money so i'm with you um could be scheduled maintenance but it also could be a really nice sale on uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. We'll have to see. I'm checking next week on that. We'll leave it there, sir, and uh, we'll do it again. Great talking to you, Michael. That's all the time we have for Off the Record, On the Rocks. Join us next week for news and all things crypto. Bring up the house lights. It's last call. <laughs>